I'm speaking with uh, Emmy-winning composer Jeff Zanelli, who is uh, continuing his collaboration with director David Kep with the uh, upcoming caper comedy Mordecai. Uh, Jeff co-composed with uh, British rocker Mark Ronson. Uh, Jeff also scored the fourth entry in Universal's successful Scorpion King series, The Scorpion King 4, Quest for Power. And, uh, you know, Jeff has demonstrated his amazing versatility on scores like Disturbia, Into the West, The Odd Life of Timothy Green, Killing Kennedy, Outlander, Hitman, and not to mention all his additional music on some of uh, Hans Zimmer's biggest scores, such as Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, and fairly recently The Lone Ranger. Jeff, uh, thanks again for uh, chatting. Great to speak again. Yes, of course. Thanks for, thanks for calling. Appreciate it. <laughs> so, you know, we've done quite a few interviews together. In fact, you were my first very first interview on film music media right. back in 2010 so that was almost five years ago <laughs> so thanks right again. oh my gosh right <laughs> so thanks again yeah for, i think this is our third or fourth yeah so thanks again for always continuing to let me pick your brain over the years um oh, of course so let's jump right into mordecai which is a movie that I, I really really liked um it was funny because i you know i bumped into you in the focus group screening last year so i guess i haven't finished i've seen the finished product yet um but so what's the process like for a composer, like, I guess just looking at the focus group, because I'm kind of interested in that. What was, what's sure. the process like for a composer going through a focus group? You know, was any feedback gathered that helped you in your process or does, you know, focus groups, do they usually get in the way? You know, I've heard things like us, you know, to kind of get in the way in the creative process. You know, how does that kind of work? Well, you know, I think if, as long as everybody's using the focus group with the right, uh, you know, the right frame of mind, I, th I think they're okay and they can be helpful. Um, it's you know sometimes a little too much emphasis could be placed on what one person in that room thinks, mm -hmm. and what you're actually trying to do is create a you know an an audience for your movie while staying you know keeping the movie true to itself. So that's that's one of the tricky things because sometimes you get into a focus group situation and there are people in the room that wouldn't have ever wanted to go and see this particular movie. So right. you know what I mean. So yeah. they're what they have to say about it might not always be so helpful because the movie just isn't for them. And that's, that's the truth about any movie. You know, there's someone that's never going, somebody out there doesn't like the Beatles. You, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, so no matter what, no matter what you do. And so, but in the case of Mordecai, you know, we did, I think we did three of them and they were used to be very, you know, effective and helpful with the, with the filmmaking process. So for instance, you know, musically I guess specific to the music, we got a lot of validation in some of the focus groups where somebody said, you know, I knew from the opening notes that I was watching a higher class of movie. Hmm. And I thought, well, that's actually pretty great. You know, and this is, obviously the score's not finished when you go to these focus groups that hasn't been recorded with the orchestra. And, right. you know, depending on what, uh, how deep we are into the process, I think when you saw we were probably only about a third the way there with um, with our demos, and so there's some temp score in there, and you know it's probably hard to make much sense out of the music in those situations. Right. But the cues that we're in, you know, people responded really well to them. The opening, and a lot of people were loving the, uh, I guess the, well, we coined a term for it, uh, harpsichord aristo funk, <laughs> which is the uh, description that Mark and I came up with for. Uh, actually, Mark came up with it but it's as good a description as any for the score, you know, and people were excited about the grooviness of it and it was unique and the instrumentation is a little quirky and it, you know, it's, it's got that sort of old soul, new vibe feeling that you might expect or, or hope to hear with, um, uh, with what Mark does, uh, in his, in his, well, in his whole career. Right. 
And, you know, you've worked with uh, David Kep on many films now. So yeah. do, do you find that working with a director multiple times gives you more creative freedom than maybe working with someone for the first time? Or is there the fact that there's more trust and maybe that there's more pressure because he knows you better than anybody else so you can't really, I guess, get away with much? Like, kind of, what's the process <laughs> <thing>? Okay. <laughs> I'm not ever trying to get away with anything. I know what you mean, though. <laughs> David, uh, but it's it's a great relationship. That's the thing. David gave me one of my very first breaks as a um, as a solo credit, which was uh, the movie Secret Window. Right. But it was actually a co-score. Philip Glass and I came in, you know, to work on that same score, and um, you know, it it was a big leap of faith on his part to say, you know, let me get let me get Jeff in on this thing. And so obviously, I indebted to him for so much of that, uh, so much of what's happened since. But we do, you know, over the years we've developed a shorthand, which I think is, you know, well, it's essential in that in this movie he was in New York, I was in Los Angeles, and Mark was in Los Angeles sometimes, but sometimes in London. And, you know, so we were, we were having to work remotely in a way that you don't always have. Most mm-hmm. of the time you have a lot of face-to-face meetings. But, you know, because David and I have a, a trust and a history now, it's um, you know it's it's more workable I think so this this was a I would say a pretty unique experience so there was a lot of experimentation and I think it would have been really hard to do if David and I had only just met right because I, yeah you know because he he knows he can say anything to me and I know that I can play anything to him as rough as it is I can play him things that I know aren't right and say. I know this isn't right, but let's talk about it anyway. You know, like right. uh, that's that's a, a freedom you don't really get with a lot of directors. Something I probably wouldn't do with uh, with someone I was just meeting. Yeah. And uh, just uh, looking at the film overall, you know, I found it to be uh, I loved it so much because you know the trailer kind of makes it look more ridiculous than it is. But it's such a very sure. uh, it reminds me of Pink Panther and Spirit, kind of that old kind of slapstick sure. uh, comedy. The comedy timing of the actors are great. But what, I mean, musically, what was the goal here? I mean, did you treat this as a comedy? Did you treat it as more of a caper? I mean, what did the film really need musically? Right. Well, and actually, that was the trickiest question to answer because, you know, ultimately, it is a comedy and it's it's got some elements of it are slapsticky, but, you know, it's it's a comedy action movie, but there's still some stakes since so you got to be serious sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the characters are so ridiculous and overblown <laughs> at times that, that you, you know, if you play overly serious music, it starts to almost feel more like a parody than right, yeah. like a film. It's, it's, it's a really bizarre thing. Cause you know, I think when you talk to film composers who do a lot of comedies, they're always saying never make the music comedic, you know, and that's sort of like the old standby rule. But it turns out, you know, if you make it like totally deadpan, it starts to feel, you know, like like some of my favorite movies are Airplane or or Hailed and Kumar or something, right. you know. But that's not what we're doing. What right. we're actually doing is we're doing a, a spy caper, which really has one foot in the '60s and one foot in 2015. So there's all of this sort of stylistic, uh, I don't know, material, I guess that we can draw from and, and build a score from. And it's so colorful that it, it allows you to go and be like ultra colorful with the instrumentation and the notes and everything. So the goal was to try to find this balance where we're not, you know, how do I say, we're not disservicing the film by being too comedic or by being too serious. And right. it, it really was a, a matter of, you know, going one way and then nudging it back and then nudging it back again. You know, <laughs> a lot of that. 
throughout the whole process. And by the way, that's not just, you know, the studio or David or someone calling me and saying, nudge it back. It's, you know, we watch these focus group screenings in a room for the same reason. And I'm sitting there going, okay, this, this feels too far one way or the other. And we've got to tailor it and we've got to, you know, make these tiny incremental improvements throughout the whole score until we run out of time. (laughs) So like, I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that like finishes writing the last note two weeks before the orchestra's done. And then I just go to sleep for two weeks. If I did that, I'd go back through it. (laughs) So, cause I'm just, I, you know, I, I'm passionate about this stuff. I don't go to sleep and I think, you know, well, I guess every composer is, but you know, we, we, we just kept trying to push, push, push it forward and see how far we could take it with them. with things so and and just i mean i mean you talk about sitting in the room and, and watching it with the audience i think as sure. uh, you know if, what, what looking at the films short films i've ever made or something like that you see it differently i think when you're in a room full of people i mean is that true that you kind of start imagining yeah. how they're interpreting it instead of just your interpretation for it and it only happens yeah. when they're there you know <laughs> yes it's true it, it's funny because that all it happens in stages too because say I'm, I'm in a room i'm writing music by myself or in this case in a room with Mark and it's the two of us and we're getting really excited about a piece of music and we get it all cooking and we say, okay, now let's send it to David. Right. And then, and then we'll be on the phone with him or something and we're listening to it and watching it down sort of together. And all of a sudden it sounds different, you know, just because <laughs> David's watching it and you go, right. Oh, okay, hang on. These are the elements that are really working and there's stuff we can, we can work on and, and sort of tailor. And then you, then it, you do it again in a room with 500 strangers and it happens again you know so there's all you're really doing every time someone comes in the room to listen to your music is exposing how <laughs> how fragile you really are as a right. composer or something and uh and you have to embrace it you, know, you have to be able to go all right this is actually terrifying to do this but the, but the good news is it can only make the score better which can only make the film better right you know but those are those are naked moments they're they're you know, I, I don't know a composer who doesn't find that stuff nerve-wracking. Oh, yeah, I can't. But I mean, we, you know, we got to do it. Right. And, you know, so you just uh, you mentioned uh, with Mark Ronson. So how did that yes. collaboration come to be, I'm assuming? I guess David introduced you guys because you never worked before. He did, yeah. Right. Well, okay, so here's the thing. So, I, you know, as soon as the movie got greenlit, I called David, and, and before I could even say, you know, I hope we get to do this, he says, I hope we get to do this movie together. <laughs> you know, I hope you want to go. Actually, what he said to me was, I just got off the phone with Lionsgate. I hope you want to score this movie. And I said, well, <laughs> guess why I called, right? <laughs> and he says, um, but listen, I, when I was writing the script, I listen, he always listens to music when he writes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, which is actually a great thing to go in and get his playlist and say, what were you listening to? And one of the things that really stuck out for him was Mark's album, which is called Version. And it has these three uh, interstitial pieces. I think they're called Inversion, Outversion, and diversion i think i might be getting that wrong but anyway they uh, he was really enamored with the sound of those and he thought you know it reminded him so much of movies of the 60s when he was growing up mm-hmm. but yet it still had a modern sound and he said look can i put you guys in a room and then you tell me and he'll tell me if you guys think you can work together and it was like i think only a week later he came over mark did and it was instant it was like wait a sec you know we're we might as well have been in a band together in high school, you know, it felt like it was really instant click. And we went, let's just call David right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Let's do this. So it was exciting. 
and it was, you know, obviously Mark is a producer and his entire, you know, way of making music is collaborative. Right. And you can say the same about me because you see all the guys that I collaborate with. And even in my solo credits, I'm collaborating with musicians and, you know, so I don't know if that makes us unique, but it certainly made us um, compatible. Mm -hmm. And then... um, then we uh, we visited the set and we were talking mostly just ideas and conversations about the music, and Mark and I said, okay, let's do this. Let's go back to our caves, you know, because <laughs> we all have ideas, and let's just work for a week or two weeks and come back together and see what we've got, right? And so once that happened, he played me a piece that was like like so uh, similarly built in terms of the music and the harmonies but stylistically something that is you know, unique to Mark. But what I mean is the music still had these elements in it that overlapped with the music that I was writing. And we went, hey, this is, this is really going to work. Like, so I'll take this melody that I wrote, which became uh, one of the themes we used for Mordecai, and kind of built it into the um, sonic world that he had started with. And all of a sudden we've got a Mordecai theme that feels you know, equal parts both of us, send it off to David and he's like that's going in the movie now <laughs> you know so and that was like the opening of the movie it's still in there now but they had done some uh after that they did they shot a new opening and everything so the opening's slightly different but we still retain that piece and it was you know it was our first it was our first hit <laughs> you know and it was right out of the gate and then it became like well you know we don't need to work in isolation let's hunch over a keyboard or let's go into a studio and you know, we rented in a bunch of instruments. You'd have, <laughs> there wasn't anywhere to stand in my studio because <laughs> we had a Farfisa's in there. This is an old organ and some of Mark's refurbished 60s guitar amps. And we had, you know, <laughs> had a drum kit in there. And, uh, and we were just playing music. And it became like the performance became part of the writing. And, and by the way, this is knowing full well that we're going to also get professionals to come in and replay this right. stuff. <laughs> but, but it wasn't like, you know, it's really hard to mock up, you know, you don't want to listen to a fake guitar or something. Right. <laughs> so yeah, we went yeah. and played it and we built it and, you know, we did a pretty elaborate demos. And, uh, and it just, you know, clicked. I feel like at least maybe two-thirds or three-quarters of the score was Mark and I in a room together and then, you know, obviously you tailor things after that. And if there's a big orchestral chart to write, then I'd go and do that and add it to the uh, to the piece or something. But we found, um, I think we just found it was a great way to collaborate. Yeah, that's so. that's awesome to hear that. You know, he, he comes from the rock, he comes from the kind of a rock uh, uh, music uh, scene. And to see you guys sure. complement each other, is, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and, and, I think it, and I think it really worked. And Actually, one of the things people sort of forget is I actually did come up, not professionally, but, you know, I was always, you know, a rock guitarist, and right. I grew up in Orange County, which means I had a ska band, and, you know, and we, we were no good, but, <laughs> but you know, but I, I certainly come up with that, and, it, and I have, a, I guess, some amount of a, a pop or a rock sensibility that, that still gets into the music. I mean, you can even look at pirates and, and hear it in there. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's probably why I was well-suited to those scores as well, in a funny way, because we're doing rock music on an orchestra, right? Right. So, so you know, it's... it's uh, I guess it, it made it feel like a good and uh, and easy fit. And in some funny way, you know, if, if Mark had made a slightly different decision 
at some point in his career, he might well have ended up doing what I did. And I think you could say the same for me. You know, it just feels like, you know, we're musical collaborators first, and then I'm a film composer second. Do you, do you know what I mean? <laughs> right, right. Like, we're coming from the same place. We want to be making music, and and we, you know, we're the same age, practically, so we have the same references, and we, <laughs> we're forever going, you know, Stevie Wonder, Quincy Jones, Mancini, you know, the, the things that we... Maybe they weren't current when we were teenagers, but we were listening to them. You know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so because we were explorers, so that so it was it was great, you know. No, and you can definitely tell just I mean from your background and all, all everyone that I know that you work with and people that I usually kind of uh, gravitate towards, they come from that kind mm -hmm. of rock background, and you can hear it in your melodies and the way you write and the way you your scores hook people, and that's why I really I think connect with your music a lot. Too. Oh, good. Well, I'm I'm happy to hear that. I really am, and you know, and then I I did go off and get my self-educated so I can, <laughs> still, I can at least you know talk to human beings you know what yeah. I mean like I can hold on to some of the sophistication that I would have if I wasn't just a, if those weren't my roots but yes it's but it's true you know you can never sort of let go of um of uh, what you came up through and you know and the, and the music you listen to on the way up so. but you know before that before you even met Mark was there ever a, a point I mean, have you encountered this, maybe not just on this project, but other projects where, you know, this is not just like you, Hans, and Blake doing the Pacific, you know, that you're meeting someone for the first time and you don't know if it's going to work. Luckily it did, but it's, it's almost, I guess, I would think of it as like being back in school and your teacher forces you to do a group project, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, is, there, is, there, is there ever that, it's like, oh man, I want to work with my friends, but it's like, luckily... Uh, well... <laughs> No, in in this case, not at all, because as soon as David said, you know, what do you think of Mark Ronson? And I went, man, you know, like, okay, I knew yeah. him, obviously, <laughs> from the Amy Winehouse records, and I know the Bruno Mars records, and, you know, I'm I'm unashamed to say that I love pop music, and he's a big part of the reason okay, why. Cool. So so it's sort of like, oh, <laughs> you're going to let, yeah, yes, you know, that sounds great. Um, and I've had other collaborations, too, and I, I guess I don't, I don't know that I've ever felt like I didn't want to go and collaborate, you know, mm -hmm. with someone. I've always thought, well, this is an opportunity, especially something like with Mark, because, you know, there's so much that I have to learn from him. Do you know what I mean? So this right. is great. And I, I'm, I feel like he would say vice versa. And so it wasn't like, you know, it's just, I guess it's a different type of collaboration than the Pacific where uh, obviously everybody can learn something from everybody, but right. Hans Blake and I are all film composers working in a similar medium and, you know, in other words, we had a lot of, I guess, overlap in a way in our styles. And Mark and I had just enough. And it was what was really interesting was the stuff that he could do that I couldn't and the stuff that I could do that he couldn't. Because, you know, then we have this little bridge in between those things that makes it all work together. But this, this score is what it is because we each showed up. Do, awesome. do you know what I mean? Yeah, right. No, that, yeah, makes, that makes total yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now kind of moving off of, uh, the comedy caper going into the more <laughs> sure. action oriented thing, you also scored the Scorpion King four, the quest for peace, yeah. um, which is, you know, the, uh, they're both available. The scores are out and, uh, La La Land is doing Mordecai, I think on next Tuesday. So the physical yeah. release, so that's going to be awesome. Um, yeah. So they're actually also doing the Scorpion King. I, oh, yes. I believe the physical is the, the week after that. Right. But. Right. 
I gotta I get my signed copy. Me. Yes. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> of course. I'll get you one. No problem. No, but uh, for for Scorpion King, it's kind of funny because you're kind of following the footsteps of colleagues, you know, that you've worked with before, like Class Bedell and Trevor Morris. And I think you're kind of, we're, we're all under one roof at one time or another. But do you? That's true. Yeah. So did you ever look at their stuff before you entered the, entered the fourth realm and go, okay, this is what they did, you know, this is what's well, been done, or do you kind of keep your palate clean? I kept it clean, but, but for a reason, though, and, and because when I met with Mike Elliott, he's the director, he said, look, this is, this is a, it's kind of a new direction for the series. You know, it's, it's lighter, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek, and it, and it sort of, I don't know how to say it, it's sort of, when, you, when he makes it more like, it's more comedic than I think you'd expect, mm-hmm. and, and because of it, it doesn't really fall into the sort of dangerous cliches of, I mean, you know, of of fantasy movies, right. you know, because they're they're really dangerous. <laughs> you know, there's so many things, and it's not to say that you know there there is still a dragon. There's still you know what I mean. There's all this stuff, but um, but he he tried to do it in a way that was unique, and so it wasn't about carrying on a line or a through line from all four movies, right. but instead yeah, it was yeah. this is a new direction, and let's let's get your take on it, and. You know, and certainly a lot of new characters showed up, and so, you know, I, I just approached it uh, as its own thing. So was it? I mean, was it a very kind of action melodic kind of thing? I mean, mm. were you, was it just kind of old school? Yeah. Did you did you try to do ethnic instrumentation, or did you just keep it modern? I mean, what was the approach for it? I did. Okay, right. If I see what you mean. Uh, so it was. Well, it's definitely a big action adventure. Right. And I had an orchestra, and you know, a, a full orchestra out in. Um, Bratislava that I recorded the score with, but I also did augment it with ethnic instruments um, that were just... Uh, look, I wasn't trying to, like, handcuff myself to some type of ethnic authenticity because right, it's right. a movie about <laughs> mechanical dragons and yeah. belching pygmies <laughs> <laughs> and it's stuff. It's not a documentary, so it's like, you know. It's not <laughs> right, exactly. So, so the ethnic instrumentation is really there as a color or, you know, there's a lot of mysterious things and sort of ancient magic, I guess, which means... You know, you're, you would actually be, if if you were trying to be realistic, you'd be drawing on music that nobody knows what it sounded like anyways because right, it was yeah. before we wrote it down. You know, so so I wasn't thinking of it as something where I had to go and be authentic. I was going, <laughs> you know, I need an orchestra. I need some some instrumentation that's outside the orchestra. I think there's some duduk and, and other woodwinds like that, and um, and I also sort of tortured a dulcimer to make it not sound like a dulcimer anymore <laughs> that I went and recorded. And then on top of that, it does have a modern edge too. There's basically in the middle of it, um, this is what I loved about my director. <laughs> Whenever I started to get like really serious and talk about adventure and honor and all the important themes that I was seeing in the movie, he goes, yeah, but Jeff, don't forget that in the middle of this movie, there's a cage fight between two women in tattered clothes. <laughs> right, okay. So... Stop being pretentious, and you know it's okay to have the electric guitars, and it's okay, you know, to like go and go and just have a little bit of fun with it because it is irreverent, and it's you know it's 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 got a I guess I want to say a, a a lightheartedness about it that you wouldn't necessarily expect with all these sort of muscle-bound dudes <laughs> trying right, to kill right. each other all yeah. the time. It's amazing that series has survived the way it has. You know? Sure. And it's, it's, you know, I tell people, I'm like, Scorpion 4, it's like, there's four? There's four of them? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I get, apparently they're all a little bit different, too, because yeah. this one's a new direction. And I think they were, they've gradually found 
that the lighter tone is more appropriate for what for what it actually is because you're supposed to just be having fun. Right. You know? I mean, those are the types of movies, you know, like Sharknado stuff like that, where it's yeah, people go. <laughs> so, yeah. It's just a ridiculous good time. So. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Right, so, one hopes. <laughs> um, so kind of uh, looking kind of overall, you've been composing for quite a while now. You've worked on so many different sure. projects. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, I feel like, you know, a composer has to really encompass everything of the finished film into their approach. So if you could look at, if you look at any other job on a film set or in a film production, what would you pick? What, if you had to pick another job on a movie to do besides composer, what oh would, wow! What would you choose? Wow, um, that's that's actually really interesting because what I when I'm what I really like about writing music and movies and stuff is is movies that take place slightly outside of reality. So mm-hmm. it's, that's why I like these fantasy movies. So you know, I met uh, a guy during Outlander who was a creature designer, and I thought, man, that's just cool. <laughs> All right, like I thought I had the cool job, and you know what I mean. So that's something I think would be really interesting, or or um, you know, creating worlds, right? And that's, I guess that's what I sort of gravitate towards is when people are getting to make, you know, something out of nothing. I mean, if you look at, I'm thinking of Rango even, where it's like there's a very particular look to this movie, you know, that exists because, uh, you know, how they created the characters and all that. So I I can't help but think that would be totally interesting to me. Um, I would never want to be a director (laughs) because it just seems like, Oh my gosh! Like anyway, I, well, I, I know how hard they work, and I know what they go through, and mm-hmm. you know. Um, so I don't know. I suppose something like that, and and there's a little part of me that thinks I would also have made a pretty good writer if I had ever gotten around to, you know, figuring out how to use words instead of music. But the reason I think that is whenever I work with writer directors, it it meshes really well. So like David Kep, for instance, or, right. or David Duchovny, who wrote the first movie I scored, House of D. Right, yeah. You know, or Peter Hedges for with Odd Life. You know, they're all writers, and, and there's a mentality there that really meshes, I think, with a, with a composer, because I think it's very similar. So, you know, if, I just don't know as many words as they do. <laughs> so well, I couldn't I, be a writer. No, I, think you know, it, it I mean, even their there. emails feel like poetry to me. <laughs> because one of the few examples... Uh, examples that i really i think is amazing is nick cave who composes films and writes screenplays and the proposition is i think i forget if he wrote um lawless but he i mean he because i think you're writing a narrative through music and i think it's very similar writing narrative you know with language so i think it definitely crosses over very very easily yeah yeah I, i think it does i think it does and but i but like i said you know it is about i mean becoming a writer is is a lifelong endeavor as well you know right, i think right. there are probably very few people who could do that and be a great composer but that doesn't mean there are none you know what i mean because right. yeah. it certainly is it certainly is a, a, a similar mindset it's just that you know you hear you hear how i'm talking i, I struggle to find words all <laughs> the time but i can play you a, a, a tune pretty easily so you know what i mean like right. it's, that's i guess it's, it's just a different language and and i gravitated towards music but probably because of that. Well, that's, you know. yeah. Well, I think you found definitely where you're supposed to be because I'm... Oh, it's, it's going all right. <laughs> love, loving everything you do, so... Um. Right. Well, you know, it's uh, just because we were talking about it, it, it it's an interesting um, segue into what I was thinking about with Mordecai, which is because Mark is a, is a record producer, his 
he was able to bring in some artists who uh, wrote lyrics and turned two of our themes into songs. And I thought, you know, well, first off, I thought these are really good melodies and, you know, maybe there's a way to turn them into songs, but I don't know how because I don't know how to write a lyric. Mm-hmm. And um, actually the first one happened really organically. That it's There's a, a love theme in the movie, which is very, uh, how do I say, very... Um, I want to say like soft focus, you know, like Vaseline on the camera lens. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds like that looks right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, and there's a flugelhorn. I finally got to have a flugelhorn <laughs> in my movie. And, uh, anyway, we sent that piece of music to uh, a woman named Rose Eleanor Dougal, who's a singer that Mark has worked with before. And she was actually just singing the vocals on, uh, the cue, which was an instrumental piece of music, but it had some sort of oohs and ahs, like that very, initially it was going to be that very sixties kind of, Esquivel, uh, pop, you know, small group of vocals sound. But instead, you know, Mark thought, well, let's send it to my friend Rose, because she has a more modern sound, just more kind of a modern indie sound, very dreamy and gorgeous. And she sent the cue back and went, wow, okay, this is amazing, and it transcends what I thought it would be. But then, a few days later, she said, I'm experimenting with making this into a song, what do you think? And she sends that over, and it's got lyrics, and it's got a whole new like expansion of the melody and everything. And all of a sudden, all she had to work with was my little demo. So she's just chopping it around. And then we went, hang on, we can really turn this into, into a really interesting and cool song. So we, so we did ended up, uh, you know, they use it in the movie too, but I just thought it was an interesting thing because now you go, okay, I wrote this piece of music, but I, I couldn't write lyrics. And I, you know, Mark probably can, but he didn't. He sent it to her. Mm-hmm. And then he said, you know, why don't we also take our two main Mordecai themes? Uh, one, well, we'd you know, co-written both of them. And we kind of built a song form out of it. And he sent that out to a guy named Miles Kane, who came back with the lyrics and a performance. And, you know, it's exciting to see these things turn into songs because it's not what you set out to do. But when you get it in the hands of someone who really knows how to write a lyric and construct a song, it it becomes really amazing. So, uh, you know, I don't yeah. if you've heard the album that's that one's called Joanna, and the love theme one is called Hearts a Liar. And anyway, it was just sort of like, oh wow, <laughs> you know, I, I sort of accidentally wrote a song, but <laughs> <laughs> but it does take me back to my roots, and it's certainly well within Mark's comfort zone to you know to put something like that together. So, you know, that's just i guess another one of the great fruits of the collaboration yeah absolutely and there's oh yeah there's one other question that i was going to ask that sure. i think i actually uh, glazed over was that you know you scored johnny depp i think i don't know how many times now but is uh is, eight now yeah eight is, is scoring the same actor in many different performances is that comparable to maybe working like with the same director like do you kind of start to get a feel for their i guess techniques or oh, styles and do you like pick can you like oh i know what johnny's doing here I, and this is what i did last time I know how to work with this. Like, do you kind of look at it that way? Like, I mean... <laughs> no, not quite, but only because I think, you know, Johnny is such a high-caliber actor that it's, you know, the the um, his mannerisms are constructed for the character, and they're not necessarily his mannerisms. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that he okay. builds when he makes Jack Sparrow, you know, right. who is very different from Mordecai, despite that it's the same actor, and, and certainly different from... Uh, from him in Secret Window, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I can only say that it's similar when it's the same character, and, and that would be in the case of the Pirates movies where, you know, he's sticking to a character that he built, even as he expands on it, it's still, you know, it's, it's at its core, it's 
still ju- it's still Jack Sparrow. Right, yeah. So you know, so that rhythm uh, certainly informs the music. Uh, Mordecai's a very different character, though. You know what I mean? Like he's he's so um, well, he's so entitled and aristocratic, <laughs> and he just loves himself. And, you know, right. well, I guess Jack Sparrow does too. But it's not you know it's not a rehashed performance. In other right. words, it's a Absolutely, new construction, yeah. and so so I think it inspires something new in the in the score. Well, that, that's I know. I was just thinking about that. It was super interesting. But Jeff, uh, thanks uh, for your time. Uh, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you, and and uh, it really is a great film, Mordecai. I mean, it. it uh, I loved it. I mean, I went with. Uh, I think my. I forget my my friend and my and my girlfriend. We went. We all loved it. We thought it was just a a great film. So I can't wait to see the finished product. <laughs> oh, I'm happy to hear. That. Yeah, I'd love to hear what you think of it. And. You know, now you'll get to hear the whole score. And <laughs> Can't wait. Yeah. And I really do think it came together. I got to say, it's, you know, it's a red letter day, and you know, we we got to record with the Dap Kings and the Roots with our horn section, or part of those, some of those guys. And then I had an orchestra and everything over in Abbey Road. So we had like, I mean, we got everything we wanted. It was great. <laughs> it was well, congrats! Is awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Still in trouble 